emanating from www.michaelnimmons.com. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is Michael Eric Dyson. This is Rochelle Riley, straight out of Detroit. This is Dr. Victoria Dooley at Dr. Dooley MD. Well, everybody, it's your boy, comedian Jay Stevens. This is Frederick D. Haynes III. I am Justin Coates, an author and anti-bullying activist. I am Pam Perry. Hey, everybody, this is Rochelle V. Mann, CEO of Man Made Productions. This is Bree Diane, international evangelist. Hey, this is Candace Pretty Strange Smith. And what's up? This is Ty Scott King. I was cracking Planet Earth. It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemes. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. I want you to give a warm Thinking Out Loud Radio show welcome to Emmy Award winning WXYZ Channel 7 anchor woman and new friend of the show, Miss Carolyn Clifford. Well, thank you, Michael, and what a nice introduction. So happy to be here. You know what I've got to do. i got to check out my man, Michael Nimmons, who is handling his business as he drops that knowledge. I like that because Frederick Douglass, for whom I'm named, says that knowledge unfits us for slavery. Truth sets us free. If you want to be free, you want to be like Mike. Check out the best radio show online. You're locked in right now to our listening. You're tuned into this. And without thinking about it, guess what? I'm thinking out loud right here on a Thinking Out Loud radio show. And if you want to stay in the know, you better be listening to Thinking Out Loud radio show. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Check out Thinking Out Loud. Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thinking Out Loud radio show. Don't you dare touch that dial. The Thinking Out Loud radio show with Michael Nimmons. Featuring author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons. edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, and I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons. And you're tuned in to the show, is giving voice to issues that matter to you. And I'm excited, guys. I am truly excited bringing you the first show in the month of February, Black History Month. Get excited, get excited. I am excited. This is one of the favorite months, my favorite months of the year. Black History Month, where we take the time to reflect upon the accomplishments and tremendous achievements of black people, black America. That's right. And um, we have so many things to be proud of. uh, And uh, I just love doing that. I love taking the time out, especially during this month, and remembering the accomplishments and achievements of black America. 
We have so again so much to be proud of, so many black people to be proud of. Look where we are. Look what God has done for us. Look how far uh, we have come. And I'm just again so excited to be sharing this platform with you on tonight. And of course, um, we're continuing with our interview with Reverend Marcia L. Dyson, part two of our interview with this tremendous woman uh, sharing with us insights into a myriad of topics, including the Senate impeachment trial, the 2020 presidential race that's coming up, and a lot more. Uh, we talked about Kobe Bryant in the first edition, the first part of the re- of the uh, gospel according to Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. If you missed part one, you can always go back to any of the major podcasting networks like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or even go to our website at michaelnemons.com. And there you'll be able to hear part one of our tremendous discussion. We started off talking about Kobe Bryant and his his daughter Gianna and the tremendous um, impact uh, that they've had. And, of course, uh, their, the, the tremendous loss uh, that all of us feel, um, you know, them uh, perishing in that tragic helicopter crash uh, happening just two weeks ago. And so... We talked about that. We also talked about the impeachment trial a little bit. We're going to be picking up with that a little bit more in this uh, edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. But we talk about a number of different topics. So can't wait to share that part of our interview with you. And doing our What Are You Thinking About segment, we're going to be talking about what you're thinking about and we start off talking about uh, Terry Crews. That's right, Terry Crews' apology. And uh, this is one that you don't want to miss. If you don't know what I'm talking about, stick around for our What Are You Thinking About segment. Also, we're going to be uh, giving you another uh, Senate impeachment trial update. A lot of things happened over the weekend. A lot to share with you coming up in just a few minutes. And, of course, we're going to be talking about the biggest sporting event of the year, the Super Bowl, that took place over this past weekend, this past Sunday. That's right, San Francisco versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And um, we're going to break that game down a little bit, talk a little bit about that, give you our thoughts about Super Bowl 54, doing our What Are You Thinking About segment. So you don't want to miss that coming up in just a few minutes. And as always, we've got a dynamic thought of the week in store for you. It's a story we heard some time ago that we want to share with you that has a powerful, powerful message. I can't wait to share with you. It's entitled, Be Like Rain. That's right, guys. You don't want to miss this thought of the week. I guarantee it's going to bless you. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TOL Radio Host MSN or on Twitter at TOL Radio Show or hit us up on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash thinking out loud radio show or drop us a line, drop us an email at contact at michaelnemons.com or leave us a comment right from our official Thinking Out Loud radio show page at michaelnemons.com. A lot of ways to keep in touch with us. We would love to hear from you. 
Well, guys, as I said, we've got a great show in store for you on tonight. So without any further ado, let's get to it. You is live. A sea of race fists and silence. 2020 fight is getting very real. Democrats jumping in, speaking out. Jussie Smollett. A month ago, few people knew who he was. You're watching The Breakfast Club. If you take it all into consideration, Stephen A. Listen, the argument that where, where you absolutely disgust me. A dilemma right now. How you feeling? Better than I deserve. You feel better today? I'm getting there. Yeah. What are you thinking about? February 4th edition of the What Are You Thinking About segment where we talk about what you're thinking about and we kick off tonight's segment talking about Terry Crews. That's right. The America's Got Talent host is uh, currently under fire for an apology, believe it or not. That's right. (laughs) But let me give you some context. First of all, uh, Terry Crews, who is the host of America's Got Talent, um, recently came under fire because of comments that he made after the uh, firing of Gabrielle Union and Julianne Huff uh, from America's Got Talent. Actually, they called it a firing, but it really was a, a mutual exit, I think. Um, that's that's what is being reported. But um, Gabrielle Union left the show because uh, she said that there were uh, racist and sexist comments being made behind the scenes that disturbed her uh, greatly. And um, she accused uh, creator of the show, Simon Cowell, for being um, primarily responsible for those comments and the environment of uh, racism and sexism uh, that she said went on behind the scenes of America's Got Talent. Of course, you wouldn't know this looking at the show. I think everybody looks at America's Got Talent and thinks, oh my God, these guys get along and, you know, you wouldn't think anything like that would be happening. But uh, according to Gabrielle Union, this was the reality. And, And so she spoke out about it and then Terry Crews was asked about it initially and this was what Terry Crews had to say take a listen that was never my experience on America's Got Talent in fact it was the most diverse place I have ever been in my 20 years of entertainment the 20 the top 10 acts were Asian women older younger uh, uh, black white it was everything in the in the gamut so 
that was what Terry Crews had to say. I believe it may have been two months ago. Um, but it doesn't seem that long ago, but actually. But um, just recently, I mean, when, when he made that statement, brother, um, he got blasted because Terry Crews also was someone that uh, admitted to being a victim of sexual abuse by a Hollywood executive. And being in his position, uh, well, first of all, Gabrielle Union came to Terry Crews' defense when uh, he spoke out about his sexual abuse by a Hollywood executive. And here Terry Crews didn't seem to be coming to her defense when she um, spoke out about the sexism and racism that was going on on America's Got Talent. And he was blasted for that on Twitter, social media just lambasted him. <laughs> and recently, he took to Twitter and social media to issue an apology to Gabrielle Union, uh, I guess in, in the effort to clean up um, what he had said earlier and to try to make amends with her. This is what he tweeted out. He says, Gabrielle Union, you are a role model to the entire black community. And in my desire to be professionally neutral as your co-worker, <laughs> note the word professionally neutral, I should have at the very least understood you just needed my support. Goes on to say, I told Kevin Hart for real, at Kevin Hart for real, a while ago, he needed to acknowledge the pain of other people. Right now, I have to do the same thing. I want to apologize for the comments I made. I realize there are a lot of black women hurt and let down by what I said and also by what I didn't say. At is Gabrielle Union, I want you to know it was never my intention to invalidate your experience, but that is what I did. I apologize. You have been through a lot in this business, and with that, I empathize with the struggle toward fairness and equality in the workplace. <laughs> and that was Terry Cruz's attempt at apologizing for his comments he made earlier. And I'm laughing because I'm looking at a tweet that Dwayne Wade, <laughs> Gabrielle Union's husband, at D. Wade, or Dwayne Wade, or at D. Wade on Twitter, uh, he tweeted out, someone please take Terry Cruz's phone. This was <laughs> this is what Dwayne Wade tweeted out after uh, Terry Cruz's supposed apology. <laughs> yeah, it would seem to be, to me, too little too late. Um, knowing Gabrielle Union, the kind of woman she is, I think that his apology probably fell flat. Unfortunately, um, and I think it probably would have been better suited if he would have reached out to her privately and instead of posting it on social media like that, um, I don't know, maybe maybe he tried to and, and was not able to get in touch with her um, and then use, this, use social media as a platform to apologize to her formally 
I don't know. I mean, to me, it just seemed like he wasn't apologizing to her. He was apologizing to uh, black women uh, in general. And and that, that, to me, is why I think the apology fell flat. <laughs> I'd love to get your thoughts and comments about that. I'm definitely not laughing at what was going on in America's Got Talent, because that definitely was a serious uh, those are serious topics that and seri- serious issues that need to be addressed. However, I'm just really l- looking at his uh, his attempt at apologizing is laughable, and that is what is humorous to me. So, especially coming from somebody like Terry Crews, he just seems to me to be someone that is genuine, someone that is. Um, you know, you could take what he says for face value. Um, you know, I know he was the, the judge or he was the host, rather, that gave the Detroit Youth Choir their golden buzzer. And uh, his comments about them where you could feel the, gen- the genuineness from them and you could feel the emotion. And, you know, knowing that and then seeing this. You can kind of see why his apology fell flat because it just didn't seem genuine to me. Love to get your thoughts and feedback about that story. Okay, well, we are here, guys. Um, the Senate impeachment trial is a day away from being over. That's right. Um, Tuesday, February the 4th is uh, the nation's State of the Union address. President Donald Trump, or Trump, however you refer to him, will be giving his uh, State of the Union address under the specter of impeachment, which is what us as Democrats wanted. Um, You know, we all wanted him to be removed from office, but um, Nancy Pelosi, being the brilliant politician that she is, uh, really wanted the narrative for him to be a president uh, impeached giving the State of the Union address. Um, and the Republicans fought, the Republicans and the White House both fought long and hard to try to end uh, the impeachment trial in the Senate before uh, this Tuesday's State of the Union address, but their efforts failed. And so um, tomorrow, it looks like there will be a vote to acquit the president in the Senate. In all likelihood, he will be acquitted because the Democrats do not hold a majority in the Senate. The majority of Republicans uh, are more than likely going to vote to acquit uh, Donald Trump of uh, the charges that have been levied against him uh, by the House of Representatives. But what's also interesting to me is... Republicans are now saying that the president is guilty of basically extorting Ukraine, uh, guilty of, uh, you know, holding back the money that uh, Congress had approved and voted to approve to go to Ukraine. Um holding those funds back so that they could launch an investigation against his political rival Joe Biden. They've admitted that he's guilty, but what they're saying now is that um, even though they believe he's guilty, 
Those charges are not worthy of impeachment. Yeah, exactly. So if they're not worthy of impeachment, then what are they worthy of? You know, what punishment should he receive? What consequence does he deserve because of this? That, that's the most baffling part about all of this because if you admit that the man is guilty then what is going to be his punishment and and that that again is the conundrum that the Republican Party falls finds themselves in right now because they they want to you know they want to say the president is guilty but then at the end of the day what is he going to be? facing as a punishment and it seems like absolutely nothing uh, I believe it was either Friday or Saturday there was a vote to allow witnesses I think it was Friday a vote to allow witnesses to testify during the Senate impeachment trial and the vote ended 51 to 50 with there being no witnesses and no new evidence being introduced during the Senate impeachment trial and so you can see right there that this is a sham trial no witnesses no new evidence and Republicans are basically you know getting ready to acquit the president of crimes that they believe he committed but are not willing to hold him accountable and that is that is the problem that's my problem I'm sure that's your problem as well we have we have a system where uh, the highest elected official in the land is not being held accountable for what he's done and what kind of world is that? What kind of what what kind of example are we being are are we setting? What kind of precedent is being set if, set for future presidents? It's just something to think about. And and so yes, he has been impeached in the House. We knew that was going to happen. We also knew that he wouldn't be removed in the Senate because the Republicans have a majority in the Senate and they're they're spineless <laughs> let's be let's be perfectly honest about it um, but something that was said that I think for me resonated the most is that when the Republicans voted to not allow witnesses and new, no new evidence in this trial um, someone Posted on social media that this country officially became a monarch because, in a sense, the president is now taking the position as king and dictator, and he can do whatever he wants to do without ever having to face any consequences, without ever having to be held accountable for anything that he does. Is that the kind of world that we want to live in? Is that the kind of country? that we want to live in.
love to get your thoughts and feedback about that as well. And of course, we got to talk Super Bowl 54, the biggest game of the season, biggest sporting event of the year. Took place over the weekend, February 2nd, Sunday, in Miami, Florida, the San Francisco 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And that was a good, pretty good game. Uh, both quarterbacks were, um, you know, they were decent, they weren't doing anything. Spectacular. Um, this definitely was not their best game. Um, Mahomes was. Uh, well, we'll start with Garoppolo. Garoppolo was 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 not as good as he's been throughout the season. I'm sure he would say that. Um, Patrick Mahomes was. Um, Doing his thing, I guess he was he was average for the first three quarters, but then he stepped it up in the last quarter. You know, scoring three times to uh, put the Chiefs in a position to win the game. But I, I thought they would be a bit more focused, seeing that this is the biggest game of the year, Super Bowl Fifty Four. This was the third straight game. The Chiefs actually came back from a deficit to win the game. But, you know, in Patrick Holmes' defense, they they, they won the game. Andy Reid uh, got his Super Bowl ring. The winningest coach um, in, in, uh, in the NFL without a ring, I believe, it was 222 wins. The 20th. The, the, 22nd win came uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, so congratulations to Andy Reid and of course to Patrick Mahomes, the youngest quarterback in Super Bowl history to win a Super Bowl ring, and this only sec- the second only African American quarterback in NFL history to win a Super Bowl. So that was tremendous uh, feat on his. So, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs, your 2019 and 20 Super Bowl champs. And, of course, people just don't watch Super Bowl for the game itself. It's the biggest sporting event of the year for a number of reasons. Um, Another reason is for the commercials. Of course, you know, people watch to see what commercials are going to be. Uh, the funniest, the um, you know, the most spectacular uh, during the Super Bowl, uh, and they also watch for the halftime show. Uh, so I don't really, I, I think the commercials were good. The one, anyone that really, really stood out to me at the moment. But um, as far as the halftime show is concerned, uh, Jay Lo and Shakir did a decent job, I think. But by far. Uh, and it's still the best Super Bowl uh, halftime performance in my book, and that's uh, the Michael Jackson Super Bowl halftime show. If you haven't seen that one, where have you been? But you need to go to YouTube and look that one up. That one was absolutely spectacular. Uh, so check that one out, and when you do, uh, you'll be glad that you did. <laughs> well, that was the What Are You Thinking About segment for this February 4th edition of the of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We hope you enjoyed it. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at TOL Radio Host MSN or TOL Radio Show. Love to get your thoughts and feedback on anything we discuss during our What Are You Thinking About segment. Facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. That's our fan page. Hit us up on email at contact at michaelnimmons.com. 
Or you can leave us a comment right from our official Thinking Out Loud radio show page at michaelnemons.com. A lot of ways that you can keep in touch with us. We would love to hear from you. Well, we're going to take our first break of the night. When we come back, we get right into our interview with Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. It's the gospel according to Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. When we come back from the break, you don't want to go anywhere. You're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Hi, my name is Maya and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. With radio show host and my daddy, Michael Nimmons. You better listen to that little girl. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were you to believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Thinking Out Loud Radio Show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. We'll be right back. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know you guys are enjoying our interview with uh, the <laughs> with Mar- Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. I mean, she is back with us on the Thinking Out Loud radio show, dropping some fire on us uh, with the uh, Senate impeachment hearings, really just giving uh, some insight into uh, what's going on. And again, talking about.
what is going to be the, some of the residual effects of the Republican Party, the spineless Republican Party that is blindly walking in lockstep behind this president. And um, I am, you know, it's, it's just amazing to, to see these senators who, who uh, the point I wanted to make in listening to you, this same Republican Party back in 2016 were uh, diametrically opposed to everything that uh, this president uh, was doing. They didn't pick him. The, 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 the people who voted for him picked him. But he was not the Republican Party's first choice. He wasn't even their last choice. But now it seems like <laughs> but, but it seems like they have taken it, it, it's like a complete about face. You listen to Lindsey Graham in 2016 and listen to him now, and he is two different people. I can't. I can't. I. I. I don't know what. Well, you know, politics is a contact sport, and you have to be big-hearted and hardened to play the game. I have to think about it, and I talked earlier when you asked me what has I been doing lately. I forgot about Africa, and I said, oh, here's what I must really feel in my soul. I called all the people I know who have some power in various countries in Africa for dual citizenship. So that let me know, like, Marcia, you really think that it's going to hit the fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, I had to think about it. You know, now that I looked at my notes, I said, whoa, I'm trying to get my family up out of here. There's safe rooms if you're wealthy. And I did tell one of my friends, I think I'm going to need a safe country for my, my family and my grandchildren, right? So Ghana has the year to return. I've been talking to the ambassador and people there. And I've been, I was in South Africa for Mandela's 100th anniversary. I could go there. I've been talking to my friends in Namibia and Botswana and Tanzania, which ironically was put on a list for travel ban by Trump. And I'm like, okay. And so I forgot about that to talk to you on. So, yes, so I think in the core of my being, I'm not happy with things that are happening through this administration as far as foreign policy, putting us uh, in the line of fire. We could talk about the trade with agreements with China and the whole situation with NAFTA. Uh, but because I do travel, I have a better understanding as a layperson in geopolitics to know what is true and what is not, which might be the reason why I've reached out seriously um, as well. I just, you know, I just hate the times that we live in. I, I imagine that everybody may have sat where I'm sitting now and said, God, I just hate the times that we're living in this the total discord, especially as an African-American. I understand why Randall Robinson quit it. I understand why so many young people are taking the invitation to go abroad and maybe even to take the land rights that Ghana and other countries are offering because it's such a burden to wake up as a black person. For us, it's just not about the Republicans. It's about our blackness on the street, the opposition, whether it's in the courts, local and federally. You know, it's about what is happening in the cities. It's about the lack of education while we're talking about impeachment. Who's advocating for a quality education and greater pay for our educators? It's such a burden to be black, and it's definitely a burden to be poor, right? Right. So we're talking about the increase of the 
uh, employment uh, for African-Americans, I beg to differ for those who still live below the poverty line. We're talking about people who may have had jobs and reclaimed jobs. What about the ones who don't have it, the kids who are killing themselves in the street, the high rise of suicide among black children for the lack of hope because they don't see this future, this grand banner of the greater America coming out of our government. So I guess to be true to heart, I guess I ain't feeling good about America. I ain't feeling good about this administration, okay? We don't have a place to rest this weariness of our souls as we're agitated by what's going on in the White House. It would make us schizophrenic and crazy without, of course, having a proper medical to deal with our psychological uh, frailties. And I don't mean to do that, but I think we need to stop and think about it. Why are we so agitated? What is this process called impeachment that may not mean nothing as far as what we want the man out and he still be there in a year unless you get out and vote and change it? Because this whole impeachment, they talk about a fast track. Well, what's the fast track? Is it to November's election? (laughs) What are lies? What is that? And what kind of information that you're going to give us since you've now made us spectators in this brutal sport called politics and all these things? What are we going to get? What goodies are we going to get when we come out of the uh, stadium is what I want to know. You go sit on the floor at the Wizards, which, you know, I'm a season ticket holder. It's a heck of a price to sit at that ticket. You better play the game right, right? People say, who's your favorite player? I say, as much money as they're getting made. These places like that, Romans are after them, and they're Christians, and the lions are chasing them. So what I'm asking you, you know, even though you're asking me very poignant, concrete, and focused questions, I cannot help but my way in which I think and the troubles and the sort of insight knowledge that I get that we have to expand our minds always when looking at something. If not, we'll be shrunken to this very great an important debate called impeachment, but at the end of this game that they're playing on the hill, as professional players, I'm not talking about the rookies, and I'm not saying that to undermine the importance of our voting them into office, but at the end of this particular game, what is left with is it's the Republicans playing with their minds and wrecking themselves because they ain't checked themselves. What do we get from it that we'll be better citizens, that we have a better legislative body that can find some kind of way because using the NBA analogy again, you know, after the game's over, the opponents, they hang with each other. Right. (laughs) The owners hang with each other. And even though the players may have angst with the owners, there's still this camaraderie that takes place. And we do need that and for America to go forward. If not, you, you know, I think I may have mentioned once on the show, if not, I always, you know, and I don't usually like using the reverend. It's got to break up the fellow ground, right? If the fellow ground is not broken up, what will the righteous do? So what, so what is this that we have? We need a breaking up, but what do we need to break up? We need to break up our ignorance. We need to break up the uh, wanting to have a McDonaldization of situations that are more deep. That's why I respect Nancy Pelosi for trying to take that slow train so that she could have everything she needed to get to the stop that was the vision that she intended and not on one of these regional trains. If you go anywhere from D.C. to New York, you know you're going to get stopped if it rains and it's flooding or the snow because for some reason 
the train industry have not known how to do what they did in Japan or Russia, whether it's snow or hides, is all I'm saying. Mm. Right, right. And, you know, just to, you know, since we're talking about the glo- your global perspective, because you, you've given us, you know, what what you think of what's happening from, uh, you know, from the inside out, uh, looking at the world around you, you're a world traveler. You have a global perspective with everything that's going on in our country, impeachment, sending hearings, chaos in this administration. What do you think the U.S. standing is around the world? Um, you know, you you having that global perspective, you uh, being a global citizen, has it fallen considerably under this administration? What do world leaders generally think of Donald Trump? Well, you know, let me say this, is that when you look at what's happened in in, the United Kingdom, they have their own novella going on there between Harry and Meghan leaving, between the whole Brexit situation, right? The situation in the Middle East now with, of course, Iran and Saudi, they have their form of tribalism going on. And even though I've been to Qatar, they're in the midst of their own crisis. They're all... Because there's remember now they're all members of the NBA. All the world leaders are the members of the NBA. Continue that analogy, right? Some of them are owners and some of them are players. And everybody in the league, they stop and of course they sort of talk ish to their opponents and about their opponents. Just like LeBron may pull up on Chris Paul or whatever the case may be, you know, or Steph Curry, they're gonna talk the ish to one another. Look, again, with the analogy of the NBA, with some players are not happy with their ownership or not happy with the league, the reason why they have the National Players Association so they can have some place to go. You look at then what is happening in Davos, Switzerland right now with the World Economic Forum. And they're not all talking about the United States. They're talking about the things that are mattering to them and to the world, which is the environment, of course, poverty, which still exists, the age of technology versus robotics and what it would mean by world employment. So they may just give a little quip like, like, yo, man, in the locker room, you know, that's, that's messed up. You know, it's like the guy broke his leg or, you know, he didn't shoot right. He didn't fall back and make that three shot. He's lame. and that. So that's how they really talk about it. These world leaders are not really focusing on us as much as we think, with the exception of its impact upon trade, the things that matter same to us. So they're not back left and said this is just the craziest, which that I, I have to say they do do that. They do think that this is the greatest um, misrepresentation as far as the leadership figure of the United States that we ever had in the course of history, but not the civilization, the office of the presidency, because of the world is so messed up, not only by what they have done, but what we have done in the past that have brought us into this whole mess on a global stage. They're not that fixated, with the exception of the representation of the figurehead of the prestige that our office of the president of the United States should have. It's like they may feel that he's gone from a James Bond to a Mike Myers. <laughs> That's what they probably feel from all consensus that I've heard and said, because people do ask. Author and speaker, Dr. Eddie Connor. I, I was reading something the other day, and it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's been 50 years since uh, Dr. King was killed. 50 years later, they're still killing kings, you know, uh, to, to really 
speak truth to power, but also to, to speak to our young men about uh, police brutality, but also the whole spectrum that in many cases they live in the crosshairs of society. We can give them all the, the tips, tools, and things of the trade of how to govern yourself accordingly. But we see young men all across America, and we, we know, uh, in many cases, we just become desensitized to a young man who is shot and killed because the police were threatened by the fact that he pulled something out of his pocket and it was a phone when they thought it was a gun. Practitioner and spokesperson, Dr. Victoria Dooley. I do feel strongly that as the African-American community and the church, we need to take mental illness more seriously, and we need to make it okay for somebody to seek out health care for mental health issues other than prayer. Absolutely, 100%. Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, Rochelle Riley. Uh, I, I can tell you, and before we leave uh, Ali, let me tell you that it wasn't just an interview with him, but my very first column called for the city of Louisville to have a museum for him because at that time there was nothing bearing his name except a little strip of street, you know, how it works in some cities where Martin Luther King Boulevard is in a part of town, but in the rest of the town it's named something else. That column ran and the mayor and other folks who knew better and who were embarrassed by it said, okay, it's time. And that helped lead to this effort that had been going on for some time to raise $80 million to build the Muhammad Ali Center, which now exists on the banks of the Ohio River. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Everybody, this is Sandra Ramekin, Director of Outreach and Education for Alternatives for Girls in Detroit, and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with the amazing Michael Nimmin. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. I know you guys are enjoying part two of the gospel according to Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. Let's get back into this informative and insightful interview. Right, right. I'm sure you get that question quite a bit traveling the country, traveling the world. Um, you know, that's why I wanted to get your perspective and your insight, uh, you know, being a, a, a world traveler, uh, you know, what what is being said about our country, uh, you know, in uh, in other countries. And and this and the same thing, I'm, as you said, is being said that they're looking at us and um, in, in many instances laughing at at our administration because. 
um, it has <laughs> he he is a clown. He is a Mike Myers, and so so to speak, uh, you know. And he is I I refer to him as the emperor with no clothes, you know, walking around, and he's he's completely naked. But everybody around him, except for the little kid, uh, is is encouraging, uh, you know, encouraging him and 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 uh, stroking his ego. But it takes a little kid to say he's naked, <laughs> and uh, and and that's and that's how I characterize, you know, this current president and and this administration. But I know you guys are enjoying our interview tonight with. The Honorable Marcia L. Dyson, speaker, author, woman of influence. So happy to have her back on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And as we shift gears, talking about uh, the impeachment now to the 2020 presidential race, I want you to, uh, you know, the Iowa caucuses, I believe, are less than two weeks away. And uh, currently, former Vice President Joe Biden is currently leading all of the remaining, I believe, 12 candidates still in the race headed into the Iowa caucuses. You know, do you think he wins the Iowa caucuses despite his indirect involvement in the impeachment hearing? Given the uh, polling, it seems like he can take the lead, but it depends on who you're polling. Uh, we know that Elizabeth Warren is still a great contender, as is. Bernie Sanders, even though they have their enemy scene squabbling going on right now. I'm hearing um, from back rooms closer to my hometown of Chicago, which is close to Iowa, and being able to hear the echoes of sentiment that Buttigieg definitely still has to be a surprise themselves. Of course, everybody seems to believe that Joe Biden would uh, be, I think, the recipient of the Iowa caucuses support because of the things that we talked about before, how the world is looking at us, how we're so anxious ridden and, you know, divided that they're looking for someone regardless of his past and his mishaps. And, you know, some people would say his presentation on the debate stages that is least calming. It's like he's this, Exeteran, somebody, something that we can take to just stop the headache for a second. Mm. I mean, seriously, you know, when you look at it, I mean, even though you could be very virulent and an opponent against the Trump, or we might be mad that Democrats might have done something too late, you know, that got us here, that we have this man in office, whatever the case may be, or you're a Republican, you know, that you, because you all benefit from the president, I'm sure that. Joe Biden could probably pull Republicans because no matter what he says on stage and he has to say, like you're a contestant for, you know, American Idol or something, you say what people want to hear and hopefully more than what they need to hear and you have the capability of doing what they need to make us a better country for all of its citizens, then he's probably the person, especially in the Midwest, have a sort of left-wing and conservatism that is palpable. To most people, of course, with the exception to the extreme, uh, the far left, rather, that have a totally different agenda and are moving much faster than a lot of people can grasp. I think that Joe, Uncle Joe, Vice President Joe Biden, 
can take the Iowa caucus. And uh, I, I, I tend to agree with you in, the, in that he does have a calming presence um, in, in, in some respects because, you know, he's he has been the vice president under President Obama. You know, there's a, a great affection for him across the nation. Um, and um, despite some of his uh, past foibles, uh, and 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 some of the things that he might have done in the past, um, many are willing to forgive and even forget those things because he seems to be um, the 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 better of the remaining candidates that are left in the race. Which um, leads me to my next question. You know, uh, we've seen several um, several people drop out of the race. Uh, several. African-American candidates, uh, Senator Kamala Harris, uh, Senator Cory Booker being two of the most notable ones that recently dropped out of the race. And and now you have uh, what seems to be a rift between uh, Senator Bernie Sanders and Senator Elizabeth Warren, you know, because of comments that were made. And I want to this this question really, really gets to um, the heart of. Uh, women in politics because I want to know from you what do you think of Bernie Sanders supposed comments about a woman's potential to win the presidency uh, do you believe he, he actually said it or or is Elizabeth Warren just blowing smoke well first of all before I address that question I want to talk about my lamentation that we have no person of color on um, on the platform anymore. And it's also telling when you ask me what I think about the Republicans and Trump, it also tells me about the black folks to whom everyone knows, especially black women, we can take you across the finishing line, but they did not, we did not take Cory Booker nor Kamala Harris to uh, far enough for them to be able to stay on the stage. So that says a lot about the strength of the black vote, which was not using in the basketball. We did not throw that three-pointer into Cory Booker's uh, Kamala, Kamala Harris's court, and we were not their cheerleaders strong enough to get them and let them maintain to be on that on that bench for whatever team, for the Democrat team in this process, and we need to think about that uh, the next time around. Now, again, because I'm in the basketball season and I love basketball, <laughs> the difference between the WNBA and the NBA. Uh-oh. All right. Okay. You see what I'm going to say? The WNBA have only been in the league status for a, shorter, a much shorter period than the NBA. We know that the women of the WNBA get paid less. They don't get the commercialization. They don't get the perks. And they don't get the paycheck and the prestige of the NBA, which brings me, if Bernie Sanders <laughs> is a referee that, and a mic was hot and in the locker room, so to speak, the women in that locker room, i.e. one of the team members is Elizabeth Warren, heard him say that a woman can't be president. I, I believe Elizabeth Warren. I believe Elizabeth Warren because it would be to her demise, given her own followables in the past, you know, I won't go there what she said, and Bernie Sanders to not fess up 
that he said it. Now, my understanding is that he did say it, but in a greater context, to my understanding, and I had to go back and look at some of the things he said and what other people said that he said, because, like, you know, it's like using, I'll take my reverend title. Now, I wasn't there at the cross where Jesus died. <laughs> but in context, he was saying it based upon the mindset of the political and the, and the voting base post Hillary Clinton possibility of making that great win that is sort of that feeling may have waned or he may have felt that because Hillary did not win and they had a hot, I mean, talking about it, WNBA versus the NBA player, Hillary versus Bernie Sanders. Remember that was some ugly stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> we can't forget that. Absolutely. So, so when you talk about the strengths, if, if, if Bernie Sanders is LeBron James and, and Hillary's like me playing, of course, we know we're going to get slam dunked. Does that mean that LeBron doesn't love women? No. Does that mean that Bernie Sanders hates women? No. But it means that I know I got the power, I got the strength, I got the force of the NBA behind me, and I know that I can do this. You know, if you're going to play, you're going to have to just play hard as we do as the men, which Elizabeth is doing. So back to your point. Very poignantly, I think that he did say it. I think there was in a context of something more than just saying that women cannot vote. Because if he did say that, he he definitely does does not want to be president because the women get out to vote more than men, and we are an engine. Right. So I don't believe that he was at no at no point in his political uh, life. And because he's a, a, a democratic socialist, and I know that he worked well with women, and I know that he would have to create see women as equals, and the work that he has done with his own wife, that that was not his mindset, and I don't believe it's really in his heart. I do believe that it was taken out of context, but I do believe that if you're going to play the again, you don't hate the play, you hate the game. If that ball is thrown in my court, and it's an advantage to me as an NW. Uh, NWNBA player called Elizabeth Warren, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to run with it. Right. I can. So, you know, that's how I see that one. I, hey, I agree with you, and and in just listening to you, um, you know, uh, I, I, hey, you know, if, um, if, you, if you decide to throw your hat in the ring <laughs> and uh, and decide to run for president, I, you know, I'm definitely going to be one of your biggest supporters because uh, you, you, you are, you are, um, I, I just admire your uh, perspective. And of course, uh, you just seem to have a, um, a lot of insight and wisdom about what's going on in the world around you. And so, uh, you know, hey. Just let us know, and uh, we'll, you know we'll we'll be um, putting out the, the the bumper stickers and the the, the line signs, whatever we got to do. <laughs> I'm I'm writing my memoir now. It's entitled uh, "Irreverent Memoir of a Grown Ass Woman" because I am. I I look. I go hide for myself when I write some of the stuff that I live through. <laughs> Right here, so like I know I won't make it to the to the White House. I'm gonna stay in my black house. <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> oh man! I, I, again, I know you guys are enjoying our conversation with uh, Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. She is truly 
um, you know, a treasure, and we just love her and appreciate her carving out time to be with us tonight on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And we're talking about the 2020 presidential election and, uh, you know, what we can expect in the the uh, the weeks and months to come. Um, I want to know from you, um, you of course, uh, we were talking about uh, Senator Cory Booker and Senator Kamala Harris, who are no longer uh, in the race. Um, we do still have uh, one African-American uh, in the race who is uh, uh, he just I think just threw his hat in, um, you know, a few weeks back. He's one of the newcomers, former governor Patrick Duvall. And uh, he, right, right, right. So he, along with um, Michael Bloomberg, are latecomers to the to the party, so to speak. What do you think uh, are are their chances of making some headway in this Democratic race? Short to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> my, my brief statement about it. But let me back up a little bit and stop being flipping on it. One thing I loved about Patrick Duvall coming into the race and people says, say that he doesn't have a chance. He was elected governor of Massachusetts. So right. This is, you know, it has Roxbury up there near Boston, but it wasn't like Michigan with Detroit or Illinois with Chicago. It is basically a non-black state. So we could not rule him out. But what I do love about him, too, is that he's the only person who used the P word. And that P word was poverty. Mm. And I love the fact that he dared because he remembered growing up in poverty, as did I. I mean, extreme poverty was something that you read in my book and people like marvel at that, that we forget that there are people still living below the poverty line. There are still food deserts, not only in the rural south, but if you can, I was up in Allentown, uh, Virginia, uh, just a few days ago, and there are still those spots that people don't have access to certain things. And the inferior uh, educational systems that our children going to school in, metal detectors, and we're talking about the same thing that you go through when you visit someone in a uh, penitentiary, that that's their reality. So, no, he reminded us, since we just celebrated the birthday of Dr. King, that poverty exists. There must be a poor people's campaign. California is on the record of the number of homeless people. It's exponentially have exploded. They even have almost, I call it the seven plagues. They got uh, rabbit, uh, rat uh, there infesting the city, you know, and things that are happening. So we don't even talk about homelessness and how their people are swept away. And when you look at that, there's still some places in America, when I go across the pond in my global work, that I tell people we have third world countries within our own nation that we need somebody to come and rescue us. Mm. Yes. So... And that, even though I, I, and I'm serious about looking at Africa, I stopped doing a lot of nonprofits on the continent because there are some places in our country that still exist as if it's a developing country. And that's why I support people like Susan Taylor with her CARES Mentoring. I'm going to give her a plug now. On February the 10th, she's having a fundraiser. They're honoring Robert F. Smith, who decided out of his wealth, he didn't need the government to take his money. He paid the tuition for that whole class of 2019. I know everybody who graduated before that said, can, like, can we like back that thing up and make a retro? 
and honored that day, but she has mentored because she saw not only the rate of the lack of mentorship amongst black students, but also the illiteracy, not only of them, but their parents, and how you can properly inform and bring them forward through mentorship and education and caring, just like I would do if I did things in Haiti, the things I've done in Brazil, things I've done across the continent of Africa. I've been the border of Lebanon and Syria in conflict. The things I wanted to do for them, God, that spirit has called me home to do that work here, even though, again, I have to find a safe country to go back to Africa. Okay. That's the complexity, and it's so heart-wrenching to be this sort of torn person like uh, who is the black historian says that you know we're too divided torn asunder I have to figure out that quote who said that Michael quotes it all the time but that's our everyday uh, reality so back to uh, Patrick Duvall yes and I hope that he gets more time I hope he gets more uh, voice and, and media attention so if even if he doesn't win the poor people win because somebody must pick up that package and at the end of the day when I get out there on the campaign trail for whomever and it will be for the people I'm going to remind them about the people who live below the poverty line those who don't have health insurance those who are homeless which we tend to forget now Bloomberg he has some merit I mean, in addition to his money, I mean, he's doing the opposite of what Trump has done. Uh, he has uh, under his belt the city of New York, which is quite diverse. To uh, You know, when you're the mayor of New York, you're basically the mayor of the world. Right. There is a New York City, you know, collectively. And so the fact that he could get that position says that he has some juice. I do know, too, during the Obama administration that he was very uh, – instrumental in bringing the African Leadership Summit to America so he was able to interact with the African leadership and to create trade and interest of American citizens wanting to do business uh, on the continent. I know that he is concerned about the environment. And when you're talking about a messaging, I think that he's very calm, like we say Joe is, you know, Biden. He's very calm with it. So I think that even though they may not make it on the uh, relay race, I think that their being in the race is important because the things that may not take them to the ultimate goal of the presidency is sure some nuggets that we can pick up from both of them to inform whoever might really be the great contender for that grand prize. You're tuned in to the thinking Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Award-winning journalist, Carolyn Clifford. As journalists, we just have to keep doing what we're doing day in and day out. All we can do is report the truth in a non-biased manner, and everything else will work itself out. Activist and thought leader, Marcia L. Dyson. Obviously not Nancy Pelosi because, again, because of social media, she said what she said, but that she's not going to be the ones who stopped uh, her colleagues from not only thinking out loud, but talking out loud, whoever they are, authentically. Pastor and intellectual. 
Dr. Frederick Haynes III. The black church, according to the uh, brilliant author and historian and scholar L.H. Welchel, uh, he said the black church was born as a protest movement. Uh, that's the reason the black church came to be. And if we're going to be honest to uh, scripture, I mean, the church itself uh, came out protesting. It was a movement of prophetic witness uh, to, you know, the insurrection of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. What's cracking Planet Earth? It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemes. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Listening to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. You tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. I hope you guys have enjoyed part two of the gospel according to Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. Let's hear the conclusion of this informative and insightful interview. Mm. That's some that that those are some great um, insights. You know, definitely. I agree that, you know, even though they are latecomers, just the fact that they are in the race with uh with their uh, promoting promoting their agendas, uh, particularly with Governor Deval Patrick, the the Poor People's Campaign, which is uh, reminiscent of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s last campaign before he was assassinated, and and of course Michael Bloomberg in New York, as you said, being you know the mayor of New York is almost being like the mayor of this country. Uh, so uh, yeah, they do have their um, their their unique qualities they're bringing to the table as well. Jabal is also continuing when we talk about the marathon continuing barring off the Nipsey Hussle's uh, adage. Reverend William Barber is the poor right and Grand Marshal right. Patrick Jabal has gone have that southern ethics of concerned about the people because he kind of embraces what theologian says that the commonality of pain bring people together. So we have to remember the people in pain. And that's what Patrick Duvall and Reverend Barbara in his political uh, nuancing and information that he gives to us, especially church people and people who are social and justice uh, advocates and civil rights activists. He constantly informs us of that. And I'm sure that he would agree that 
Patrick Duvall is a as an important voice, though he may not be the powerful one. His messaging is the most important, especially under Judeo Christian ethics. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Absolutely. I know you guys have enjoyed our interview with the Honorable Reverend Marcia L. Dyson on to, uh, on tonight and. You know, as we get ready to wrap this interview on tonight, you know, we were talking off air about uh, some uh, about the the family of Botham Shim Jean, and I, I want to kind of uh, give you an opportunity to to talk more about about that. They they started a foundation uh, for him. We know um, that he was tragically slain by uh, police officer Amy Geiger. Uh, uh, in his own apartment, uh, she claimed that she accidentally walked into uh, his uh, her apartment. She walked into her what she thought was her apartment when it was actually his apartment, and um, we've seen all of this play out right before our eyes, and 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 even saw his own family uh, forgive, extend the olive branch of forgiveness to uh, Amy Geiger uh, towards the end of her her trial, and so. I want to uh, give you an opportunity. I understand that you have been involved with the family, uh, the foundation, the Botham Gene family uh, has created a foundation for him uh, to continue his legacy. And so I want to give you an opportunity to talk more about your involvement, about some of the things that have kind of come out of, uh, you know, what happened uh, to his life and with former officer Amy Geiger. First of all, I, you know, it was shocking for a police officer who is trained to be observant, right, of their surroundings and circumstances to say that she didn't know that one that was her apartment because even when I come into my house, I know where I place things. I know where, you know, there's certain scents that you have in your home. You know that there's certain textures, there's certain even squeaks in the door when you entered. And if one thing is off, I'm very conscious because I've been trained because I've worked with presidents and had that opportunity. But for a trained officer, first of all, you don't know what floor you're on. You don't know the scent in the house. You see a man not robbing you. He's not have a mask on his face. He's sitting down eating ice cream. That this person has the one foremost uh, be sort of out of their mental faculties that they would come and break into your home and just sit down and eat passively and enjoying ice cream and watching television that you would think that he was a threat. I don't understand that, and I can't imagine what the families are thinking when they think that know that their son was taken out in his own home and and unwarrantedly not a, a threat like I said or anything and so I know that the uh, verdict that was given was absolutely correct for the for the officer and what the family is doing and creating a legacy for an unknown entity uh, Bassam Jean is amazing because what they realize in their loss is not to make it a loss for everybody. Their whole intent is that as American citizens, whether you're black, white, Latina, Asian, doesn't matter, that we all have to inspire to change. And I tweeted that out uh, on their behalf as part of a campaign. And people jumped on me saying, I'm not behind anybody who can forgive somebody who walks into their home and kill them. That, to me, you know, 
is judgmental on the family. It's the family who has lost. That's to say that, this, that we hate the church members who gave grace and mercy, which is required of us, not just from a biblical standpoint, but for the, the fact that we have to live in an empathetic rather than an apathetic world. If not, we become the terrorists that we hate. If we all could not forgive the people who have harmed us, no matter whether it's through a bullet, through legislation, through, you know, an intimate relationship, we would be all so demonic that I'd rather be raptured or just taken away from here in some kind of love spaceship, I'd rather going to be loved, than to stay here on this earth. And so people were saying, I was like, well, the B word, I'm stupid, and, you know, I'm a cool. First of all, I tell them, look, I'm south side of Chicago, and I do borrow from uh, Beyonce's song, uh, Who Rules the World. I am good with this, and I'm good with this, and you're really telling me to be good because you never want to see my hood, okay? <laughs> my, I have to constantly pray to be more empathetic than, uh, than uh, um, apathetic to situations in life. So if you say Black Lives Matter, Yes, they matter, but they matter to me in the hometown of Chicago. And don't tell me, like somebody tried to roll up on me, I'm using a, a Trump a parroting talking point. When we're killing ourselves in, in the city of Chicago because somebody puts proliferation of guns in my community, that's a black life, and I'm concerned about that too. Black people killing black people because we don't have stuff. We, they didn't give us the education. It's a socialization of our angst and our apathy within it that we do this harm to ourselves. I had to talk to some people saying, you know, that most police officers have uh, are coming from the military, which means a lot of them are minority or they're, you know, or they're Latino or whatever the case may be. They're traumatized. And you put them with a gun, they're going to shoot. They don't know that everybody's so wounded. We have a wounded America, which I'm going to come on and tell you something. I'm writing for the We Need a Year of Jubilee, brother. So I'm looking at that, and we have to talk about it. Not We all matter, but for me, if you go, since you made a tribal, and I'm not saying we the powers to be want to give this uh, uh, identity politics, and you made a tribal, I'm black all day long. So I want to talk to my black people first. Going back to what I said, I spend a moral compass, and, and if you're talking about really not choosing your oppressor and none of their ways, then let's stop acting like the people we say have never benefited, we've never benefited from, who will always hate us. I don't want to be like them. Mm. Right. Absolutely. Wow. I thank you so much. Reverend Marcia L. Dyson, it has truly been an honor. I pray that God will continue to bless you and all that you do and all that you say and continue to be a friend of the, of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And on a personal note, we truly, truly appreciated you being on the show with us on tonight. God bless you. Thank you. And pray for me that I do let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable not only to God, but right for the people who hear them. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. This is Michael Eric Dyson. And when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. Thinking Out Loud radio show. 
giving voice to issues that matter to you. Congratulations to Pastor Michael Nimmons and the Thinking Out Loud radio show for over 10,000 streams and downloads. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show available on Apple Podcast, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, and now available at michaelnimmons.com. The Thinking Out Loud radio show giving voice to issues that matter to you. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were you to believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Stay tuned for more motivation, more inspiration, and more empowerment on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. It's time. 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 For the Thinking Out Loud radio show, Thought of the Week. heard about a little boy who watches his dad every morning get ready for work. The little boy shadows his dad and watches attentively as he gets dressed and gets ready to walk out the door. But before he does, he turns and looks at his son and says, you can't stop the rain. This went on for years as part of the father's routine. And as the boy became a man and the dad became an older man, they were one day talking and reminiscing about old times son finally got up the nerve to ask his father a question he wanted to ask ever since he was a kid. He asked his dad, do you remember when I was a kid and I would watch you get ready for work and before you would step out the door, you would look back and say to me, son, you can't stop the rain. What did you mean by that? The father smiled and said, ah, yes, I've been waiting for this moment for a long time now. He asked his son, what happens when it rains? The son hesitated at first and then answered after giving it some thought. He said, well, water falls from the sky and you get wet. The father chuckled a bit and then asked, what happens when it rains and 
you're outside with your friends playing ball. Oh, he said, well, when it rains, the game stops. and We have to go inside. The father said, right. He said, what happens when you're at a picnic and it starts to rain? The son says, the picnic stops and everyone has to go home. The father said, exactly. The father said, what I was simply saying to you, son, is be like rain and don't let anything or anybody stop you. The lesson is simple. In life, we're all going to experience challenges and we will have to hurdle obstacles and face difficulties that are going to discourage and even depress us. They're going to frustrate and infuriate us. But the last thing we can allow those things to do is to stop us. The inevitability of rain is something that we cannot contend with. This is why the Father's analogy is so apropos. The Father's admonishment is to be like rain and don't let anything or anybody stop you. Yes, they can disturb you, but don't let it stop you. They can bother you, but never let it stop you. It can hinder you, but don't let it stop you. It can deter you, but don't ever let it stop you. It can distract you, but never let it stop you. The reward is too great. The victory is too significant to ever allow anything or anybody to stop you from reaching your goal. Keep going. Keep achieving. Keep working. Keep striving. Keep believing. Keep moving. And in the end, you will discover that the victory was not just in the reward, but it was in your persistence that made winning a special, special shout out to Reverend Marcia L. Dyson for being on the show with us again on tonight. I truly appreciate her. I hope you enjoyed part two of our interview. We're calling the gospel according to Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. Thank you, Reverend Dyson, for taking the time to share with us your thoughts on a myriad of subject matter. We truly, truly appreciate you. She has so much wisdom and insight on so many things that we just appreciate her for taking the time to share with us. Again, if you missed part one of this amazing conversation, just go back to michaelnimbus.com or to any of the major podcasting networks like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, any one of them, and you can listen to part one. Of the, of the gospel according to Reverend Marcia L. Dyson. I guarantee it's going to bless you. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's show. We truly, truly appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Remember to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thinking out loud radio show on Twitter and Instagram at TOL radio host MSN or on Twitter at TOL radio show. Or just hit us up at contact at michaelnemons.com. We'd love to hear from you. Or go to our website at michaelnemons.com 
and leave us a comment right on our official Thinking Out Loud radio show page. So many ways to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Your support helps us to increase our exposure across the world wide web. Well, until next time, guys, we're getting out of here. But always remember, if you can think it, you can believe it. If you can believe it, you can see it. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can be it, you can achieve it. The power rests within you. The mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want. The power is is in you. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast. Be sure to support all of our radio show partners. If you like the show, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. Want to book radio show host Michael Nimitz for a speaking engagement, book signing, or corporate event? Send an email to contact at michaelnimitz.com. Be sure to follow the show on all of its social media accounts on Instagram at the TOL Radio Show, on Twitter at TOL Radio Show, or on our Facebook fan page at www.facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Are you an entrepreneur? Want to advertise? Become a Thinking Out Loud Radio Show partner and take advantage of our free and introductory advertising offers. Send an email to Thinking Out Loud Radio Show at gmail.com for more details. Visit the new home of the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show at www.michaelnemons.com forward slash TOL Radio Show. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show, giving voice to issues that matter to you.